Welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast, sponsored by Mindset Boosters. And today, we have the privilege of having Sean Morrison here. He's from Burlington, Ontario, just down the street that way, uh, probably about 40 miles or in, we're in Canada now, so 60 kilometers. Uh, Sean, welcome to the program. Thanks, Omar. Great to be here. Before we went on air, we were talking about, you know, how you need to compare uh, apples to apples. And when we were talking about, you know, size of brokerages, some of them have massive number of agents. So their overall volume is really high. And then you have other more boutique uh, brokerages where they have uh, more earning per uh, agent. Uh, and we were talking about statistics. And there's a quote that kind of came to mind is... Uh, from our friend Mark Twain. Sir, there are lies, there are damn lies, and then there's statistics. So it's how you measure the market. And people right now are kind of panicking around the market a little bit because it seems sluggish. And so what numbers are you looking at that gives hope to people that, you know, hey, do the transaction. People still need to buy houses and sell houses. There's no need to panic. So what are you saying to people to kind of get them to not panic and get on with life? Well, I think, you know, higher interest rates are, are here to stay for a while. I mean, we're not going to see a downturn uh, in the market for some time um, because of inflation. Um, inflation isn't the only factor uh, at play here. We're looking at, you know, people that are, you know, cash flush after uh, being cooped up with the pandemic for so many years. They have uh, some good savings put aside because they weren't going on holiday. And then we also have, uh, you know, a, a situation where a lot of uh, people, are just frustrated with where they're living and want to move out. Uh, pandemic changed a lot of people's mindset. So there is transactions happening in the market. The key is just not to get underwater. You want to make sure that you know, you're, you're properly qualified, that you're going out there, you're looking at something that's realistic. And in the marketplace, we are seeing uh, things moving. So for sellers, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for investors who might uh, be cash flow positive right now, looking at a downturn in the market value, and they don't need to have lending. So that those transactions can take place. And then you've got people that are, you know, still um, taking advantage of the last five years where they have a lot more uh, value in their home. So there's, right. there's a lot more leverage that they have that they can put towards something new, maybe pay uh, a similar interest rate overall because they don't need uh, to increase their mortgage. So there are transactions that are happening. It's just uh, they're, they're a little fewer and far between right now. So you really have to think outside the box. So what percentage uh, is the market down uh, in terms of uh, transactions? Is it 20% more or less? So when you look at, uh, I believe it was the Canadian Real Estate Association stats, they said that it was about 17.9% across the country, about 21% across the GTA. And we're looking at a, a value uh, of about 18.79, if I remember correctly, um, uh, percent down in value across the board. Now, you got to couple that, of course, with higher interest rates, which are up, you know, over four points. So when you balance that out, you know, even though you're seeing that reduction in the value, say from a million to 800,000, you're actually still paying about $300 a month more uh, on the average mortgage for that property. Yeah. So if you kind of look at it uh, from a certain point of view, it's like, you know, it, when the market was hot, we were selling for every five homes we sold, uh, where we got his camera, <laughs> we're selling four, which is not that bad in the grand scheme of things. So there's no reason to panic. And if you look back at interest rates, I guess it would have been in the uh, 
uh, 80s, where it went up to 20, 22%. Yeah, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, and uh, so I was around that, and I was uh, too young to buy a house back then. I was like in my teens, but uh, people still survived, and the market grew. So this is just, uh, this too shall pass. If you need to do a transaction, do one. But it's a stressful time for realtors right now. So how do you uh, maintain your uh, composure and your mindset to make sure you focus on what needs focusing on as opposed to freaking out? Well, like I teach my agents, it's all about the fundamentals. You know, when you look at somebody who plays in the NBA or the NH and the NHL, they practice. They practice constantly. They go back to fundamentals when things aren't working. And we need to do the same in our business. You know, right now you need to be talking to your people. You need to be in constant communication because the market is changing all the time. If you're not communicating with your buyers and your sellers, then you're missing opportunities in the market. The other thing that you have to look at is outside of the box solutions. And, and we've seen this over, you know, if you've been in the, the business as long as I have, you've seen this over two or three slowdowns where, you know, maybe you increase the uh, amount of buyer commission to draw some attention in. Maybe the seller, you know, pays closing costs. Maybe the seller offers, you know, several months of condominium fees as part of the deal. You have to look outside of the box for solutions to make yours the home that stands out in this market. Brilliant. Uh, so what about agents themselves? Uh, how do they stay focused and actually do the fundamentals? Because, you know, that's uh, that's gospel. You know, do the fundamentals, especially when things are tough. That's where you need to go down. But uh, knowing something and doing something are oftentimes two different things. So any yep. words of wisdom how people can start, uh, agents can start focusing on the fundamentals? Well, have an accountability partner, whether that be a coach or your broker of record or somebody else in the brokers that you just, you know, make an agreement with that you're going to get together once a week and you're going to go through what you've been doing. You know, uh, I've always said to agents, you know, write down everything you do in a day. And then at the end of the day, ask yourself if you would have paid yourself for that. Right. If you're not doing, you know, the fundamentals every day, if you're not making those calls, if you're not looking over your files, you know, if you don't have an accountability partner in this, then you're not going to be as productive as the agents that are. All right. So number one, you're an evil person, Sean. That was like such a genius thing to say. <laughs> Look at the things you did that day and ask yourself, should I have gotten paid for today? And if I look back at my last week, it was a couple of days there that I should have gotten a pay cut. Yeah, I think we all get there. I mean, you know, some, yeah, summer's around, you know, we want to go out and we want to, you know, do things uh, with our families, which is important as well. As long as you're putting in that effort three to four days a week, in this business, you're going to, you know, see results long term. But it is a grind in this market. You have to consistently do them. You can't just put in 20 hours this week, solid uh, prospecting, and and hope that okay, now I'm set for the rest of this year. It's it's something you have to do every day. Absolutely. Uh, oftentimes, people think that uh, the job that we're in is when I uh, give the keys to a new homeowner and say here's your new house. That is not the job. That is the reward for doing a great job. The job is the prospecting. The job is the handholding. The job is keeping your mindset strong. Like all that stuff is the job and you get to help people uh, get happiness and joy and a place to raise their family. Absolutely. And I would say when you hand off the keys to your client, that's the halfway point of the relationship. Right. Because you're going to do all the prospecting to get the client. You're going to bring the client and advise the client through the process. You hand them off the keys and then most people walk away. 
you have to stay up with your clients. You've got to assist them over time. You want to be the source of the information of the real estate market when they have questions. So it's an ongoing routine. It's not, you know, hand off the keys and I'm done, move on. You have to take care of the client post the transaction as well. Absolutely. And I think uh, you've uh, invested so much time, effort, love to get them to this place. And why would you throw that relationship away that that relationship probably has four referrals a year that could be coming your way from that? So if you think of a 40 year relationship times four transactions, you do the math here. I think that's about 160. Mm -hmm. average, well, exactly. commission, average commission in your neck of the woods, $18,000. $18,000 yeah, times 160. Uh, that's not pocket change, baby. So maintain those relationships. Now it costs you three times as much to find a new client as it does to maintain one and get referrals. Brilliant. So Sean, uh, uh, there's been times where you've been, uh, I would suspect going, well, why the hell am I in this business? Like, tell me about one of those times where it was like, a, a moment where it was like tough, uh, Describe it and then uh, how you snapped out of it. Like, what did you do to kind of get back in the zone? Well, I mean, anytime you're going through a, a rapid upswing or a rapid downswing in the market, you know, agents start pulling their hair out and I'm, I'm no different. Um, you know, so you think back to, you know, 2021 when the market was on fire, you know, you're out with these poor buyers who have put in 13, 15, 18 offers on places and just aren't getting them. They can't do any more than they're doing. So you have to start to to think, what am I doing here? You know, right. what am I doing with these clients? Like, I feel bad for these guys. We can't get them a, a property. So you, you sit back, you reassess. Maybe you change, you know, uh, some of the parameters. At, at that point, I think what you have to do is is requalify that that buyer. So you sit down and you say, OK, I know we want to be in this neighborhood, but we're losing every time. Maybe we can go over here where the values are a little bit lower. You guys can be the bigger fish in that pond. Nice. Or you might look and say, okay, I know we want new and perfect, right? But we can build perfect over time. Right now, let's look at securing you a property that you can invest in over time and, and still have a place to live. So you, you, have, to, you have to reassess. And, and similar in a downturn market, as we were just discussing, you know, when you're sitting there and you've got you know, a few listings sitting and, and you don't know what to do to, to market them, sometimes it's better just to take yourself out of the moment, sit down and go, okay, what are some crazy ideas that we could do to get this going? You know, how can we think outside the box to, to move this and then sit down and have that comfort factor with the seller and say, hey, you know, here's an idea. You know, why don't we try this? And uh, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But at least you're trying to get out there. And I think the more you're putting that product out there in a new way, the more chance you have of selling it. Brilliant. So as you uh, look out uh, moving forward. Uh, what are three pieces of advice you'd give uh, agents right now to kind of get over this next little while where it's going to be challenging so they stay in focus, get the work done, and get transactions done? Don't overspend on marketing. Don't go out there and, and spray your face over every bench ad in the, in the market and that. You got to hold your money accountable. So if you're putting out you know $1,000 in marketing, it should be bringing you back at least $3,000 in returns. If it's not, cut your marketing. You know, you've got to control your costs in this or you will not survive a downturn. You know, I've seen it before and we'll see it again in the future. It's just something that you have to do. The second piece. Oh, go ahead. There, yeah. uh, I just wanted to highlight uh, that uh, phrase, hold your money accountable. Mm -hmm. And that one of the nice things about you, Sean, is that you look at things from a different lens. 
which illuminates, you know, the importance of it. Like, uh, should I get paid for the job I did today is one holding yourself accountable Two is, uh, hold your money accountable, which I love that too. So what's number two. So, I mean, number two, I would say hone your skills. So, you know, this is the time in the downturn, you've got a little bit of extra time on your hands, you know, brush up on, on, and I'm not going to say scripting in the, in the, you know, way that everybody cringes when you say scripting, you don't want to sound like, uh, you know, you're from a telemarketing company, but know how to talk to people and to bring that information to them in a way that they can receive it because not everybody receives information in the same way. I may sit here and go through the, you know, the entire contract with you or my marketing plan with you and you're sitting there and, you know, you, you may as well have not been listening because you don't understand because I'm using a lot of buzzwords and things like that. You need to be able to assess who you're talking to and bring the information to them at, at a level that they will be able to comprehend it nice. so that they can make the decision you know they already want to make. So, you know, definitely, you know, hone your skills is is the second one. Hone your skills, know your audience, love it. Yeah. And then the third, I would say, get in the office. You know, so many of us work remotely now and never go into the office. Get into the office, talk with other people. You'll get a plethora of ideas. You'll get a whole bunch of opportunities. You know, maybe there's a, a larger team in the office that is doing a, a good volume of business right now that you can learn some skills from, or maybe they can throw you a B client if you're a new agent and, and maybe work with something there. You know, get in the office, interact with people. You will be a better realtor for it. Yeah, because you learn so much by just uh, seeing what's going on around you and just eavesdropping as you're working and say, oh, wait a minute, that sounds interesting. Exactly. That's I call it learning by osmosis. Yeah. You're in the office and you just kind of suck it in, right? So where are most transactions being completed right now? And this is like, you know, when everything's done and everyone's signing on the paper and the transfer is done, is that done in the real estate office these days or where's, where's that happening where people actually end up owning the home? Most likely it's being done in the person's residence or a coffee shop somewhere and occasionally in the office. Um, most of us don't travel to the office. We'll go to where the client is to make it easier on the client as part of the process. Interesting. I guess it was a, in an earlier uh, time, it was everybody came to the real estate office or the title office to get these done. And now it's basically wherever the client is, make it easier for them. Yeah. And I think that's part of our mobile society right now, you know, through programs like DocuSign and that, you know, people can be on a cruise ship and buying a property. It doesn't matter. So, you know, when you're looking at the convenience factor, you know, if, if say you're in, in Mississauga, I'm in Burlington, but you're buying a property here in Burlington or Hamilton, you know, either I'm going to come out and see you, you know, right. where you are to make it easier on you, or we're going to do it, you know, like this, you know, over a video conference and then uh, sign through a DocuSign platform or an AuthentiSign platform. Right. So, you know, at the end of the day, that makes it easy on you. And we may not see each other after the showings until, you know, you've purchased a property and we're going through uh, on an inspection. Um, I try and get in front of my clients as much as I can because uh, you, you pick up on more body language that way. You can pick up on, on subtle nuances where they might have a question so that they make sure right. that they understand what's going on. Brilliant. So before we wind this thing down, uh, expectations are really important. And, uh, you know, for this interview, uh, I'm not sure what expectations you had, but I could have had a conversation with you saying, Sean, on the interview, my job is to make you look uh, fabulous. And uh, so it's all about you. And these are the kind of questions I'm going to ask. It's going to be ad lib over here. And if I gave you a whole scope of what was going to happen, uh, also, we might get an uh, internet mishap. When that happens, you might 
see me go and be frozen. Uh, that would have been helpful. Uh, so in a real estate transaction, uh, oftentimes realtors go in and say, you know, the best case scenario, this is what it's going to be like. Uh, how important do you think it is to uh, talk about if the house isn't selling, this is what we're going to do, setting those expectations as well? Uh, kind of what are your thoughts on that? How broad a picture should we paint? Well, I mean, we have a, a potential uh, normally to to kind of put the positive ahead for the client all the time. You know, this Major. is what's going to happen. And, you know, you, you want the client to feel comfortable in the transaction. But I think we also have that underlying responsibility to let them know, hey, these are the mishaps that might happen. These are the things that could potentially come up and try and mitigate those early. So when you're asking the questions about the house, you know, listen carefully. There might be something in there, you know, they, they might be talking in passing and just said, oh, you know, after the flood, we did this and that and that. And you're like, oh, back up. Let's go to the flood. How was that done? Right. So you want to go through that. We also got to talk about what the market is like and, and not put lipstick on it. We got, you know, I'll tell them I'm going to be brutally honest with you. This is what's going on in the marketplace in, in your area and your price point. These are, you know, one in, you know, I'm just throwing out a, a stat. This isn't a, an accurate stat, but say you're saying one in six homes are selling. So how are we going to be the one that sells? This is now. And you bring it back to your marketing plan. You bring it back to, you know, you know, a, a structured, you know, talk about reductions, structured, structured reductions. If in two weeks we're here and this isn't happening, this is what we need to do. Do you agree? Have that conversation in advance so that when you get to that point, it's, it's already been discussed. And then. Lastly, you know, bring the statistics to them, show them in black and white what's going on with their house every week. We have amazing tools available to us as realtors now where we can actually show how long people have viewed their their virtual tour for, you right. know, how long they stayed on the listing, you know, where they're coming from, what sources are they coming from, right? Demographic marketing is a big thing now. You can see the demographic of the person that is looking at the property. So when you bring hard empirical evidence to somebody, you've already pre-had the conversation that, hey, we may need to reduce judging on the market so that we're the home that sells as opposed to helping the one down the street sell. Then, you know, it makes that conversation a lot easier and they trust you more because you, you've not just sugarcoated it. You've also given them the, the good, the bad and the ugly. Right. Nice. So uh, if you were uh, rating the market right now uh, from one to 10, 10 being super hot, things are happening, one being uh, nothing's happening, what number would you give uh, the market right now? Probably a six. You know, there are still transactions happening out there. You've got investors that have cash that are out there looking. You have people that need to transfer homes. It's just a little bit more difficult than it has been, say, over the last five to seven years. Um, we're certainly not, you know, a one or a two. You know, those markets would be, you know, like you had in the 80s where interest rates were almost 20%. You know, it's like buying a house on a credit card, right? you know, versus, you know, the the low interest rates that we've had, you know, uh, sub two at, at points over the last 10 years. So, you know, the market is moving. It's just a little bit more difficult than it was, say, you know, when it was a nine back in 2021. And how would you, your best guess, the clients you're working with right now or the public in general, how are they rating the market uh, from one to 10? You're rating it a six. They're rating it a. Uh, it, it depends on the client, but I would say they're probably a four or a five. There's a lot of hesitation in the market right now. Um, there's a lot. You know, every news story talks about that the you know, higher interest rates and the housing market imploding and all of this sort of stuff. And uh, and and they listen to that, right? And as they should. You know, we're certainly not in the market that we were in 2021, but we have to look at it as a whole for them. 
not as a whole for the country. We have to look at a whole for that particular client. What, you know, what area are they in? Are, do they have to move? Do they not have to move? What are they trying to accomplish in the market? Is that possible in this market? Right. So, you know, while some people think, oh, well, I could, I couldn't do a move up buy right now because, you know, interest rates are crazy. You may turn around and look at it and go, yeah, but your buying power in your chosen area has gone significantly up because it, the, the market in that area is down 23%, right? So when you balance out everything, you're paying roughly the same for the house that you want, maybe a hundred or $200 a month more for the house that you wanted in this market. And then you have all the potential of the upswing as we come out of this. So Sometimes it's it's best to just sit down and do a personal assessment with each and every client so that they understand the how the market affects them personally. Yeah, love that. Sean, thanks so much for being on the program. Uh, really appreciated the conversation. I took notes. Uh, some of the phrases I'm going to steal, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I kind of, uh, Sean said this uh, when I uh, use those phrases. Thanks for being on the show, man. It's my pleasure, Omar. You have a great day. Hold on. We're going to do an outro, then we'll chat afterwards. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 